Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I am Edward Schuler, joined as always by Salim Sawala. Salim, how you doing today, man? Hey, Ed, I'm doing okay. Uh, I got a cold apparently somehow. I mean, it was kind of catching yeah. on for a little bit. I think it's this damn polar vortex out here. <laughs> it, it got me. So, yeah. uh, trying to trying to get recovered because I'm, I'm supposed to be going to Cancun and in uh, in two day uh, well, Sunday. I'm leaving. Yeah, so, so you gotta heal up fast, uh, man. I, I, I'm I'm gonna be at Cancun before the Bulls are, but I think the Bulls are gonna be there in like what four months, <laughs> three four months. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm going. That's I'm trying to get over like as well as I can before I get to uh, where I got to go to Cancun there. But yeah, I, I I'm trying to hang in there and you'll be able uh, to, the Bulls. You'll be able to give the Bulls, bulls some recommendations are, for. Uh... <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'll get, I'll, I'll give, I'll give him some recommendations on which resorts to stay at. <laughs> oh man, no, that, that's the, the Cancun trip is going to be dope. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff going on out here with uh, with all this cold weather. So a lot of people getting sick with a lot of different stuff, and you know we're as Bulls fans right now. I can kind of sense a little bit of um, is would you say like maybe anxiousness or maybe just kind of like. Uh, maybe impatience. I don't know if impatience may, it may be the word, but we're, we're waiting for that next domino to fall with the Zach Levine trade. So I think Bulls fans are sick of seeing other teams making all of these deals and people are waiting to see the Bulls get in on some action, whether it's a Zach Levine deal or a Caruso deal or a DeRozan deal. I don't know, but I, I think fans, they are, they're kind of sick of waiting for all of this stuff to go down. So, um, I don't know. We got yeah. a few weeks left until the trade deadline, man. It, it's creeping up. It, it's creeping up. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you the big one. Like we're, we're going to talk about it, but the Siakam deal, you like you mentioned, that came yeah. about. Um, it doesn't make the East easier. Uh, that, that's for sure. I mean, technically, I suppose it takes the Raptors out of the running, though. You know, we'll talk about that too, but. Yeah. Yeah. Some of their new pieces inter- been interesting for the Raptors, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Like you know, you would think at some point they stop doing the continuity stuff and and, and actually make a move. I mean, the, obviously with the Zach Levine talk, and we've had that conversation ad nauseum hmm. to the point where you know you you, you want to move on from him. They want to move on from him. He Zach fi- said, "Fine, okay, I'm ready. I want to leave." 
Uh, and, you know, obviously the market supposedly is completely barren on him. We've talked about that. I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, that said, I wanted to ha- hold on to uh, Caruso. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, you would think yeah. at some point they would at least pick a lane for sure. Uh, if they if they're not gonna rebuild, commit more to this roster. If you can, if there's a way to improve the team, you can do that too. Yeah. I don't know. This team, this front office is perplexing, and I guess we'll find out for sure. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna have, you know, uh, we're gonna talk about some of the stuff here shortly. Right, right. They're, they're trying to straddle a line, and it's very difficult to do in the NBA. But the Bulls are gonna. Uh, try to do the unthinkable and straddle the line by selling and still competing. And we'll see how they do with that. But yeah, we're, we're going to get into a lot of the trade stuff. We're going to talk about the Pascal Siakam deal and we're going to talk about uh, what we think of it. And we're also going to think talk about how it could possibly affect the Zach Levine market. Maybe this is the domino that could get those wheels kind of turning on a deal. And we're also going to look ahead at the uh, Bulls' upcoming schedule as well. So uh, the NBA trade deadline uh, in a few weeks, uh, February 8th or 9th, I believe, but uh, one of those. So it's coming up, and uh, I I think these moves are really going to start picking up steam. So uh, joining us today to help make some sense of all of these moves that are going on in the NBA and to continue some of the speculation that we've been doing season long on the Zach Levine trade. He is a writer, a, a newly minted writer and contributor for on tap uh, for Bulls on tap on the on tap sports net uh, friend of the show, Morris Bankston Morris, man. Welcome to Bulls gold, man. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be on. Yeah. And and again, congratulations yeah. Yeah. to you. You are, you just started writing, I, I believe like last week uh, for uh, on tap sports net. Yeah, it'll be a week tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and like <laughs> the first day officially on the job, you know, like, the, um, you know, the Jerry Krause thing happens. And so I broke this yeah. about that. And, yeah. uh, it's been a fast week already in Bulls media. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, exactly. Just perfect timing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we hope no. there's going to be, we, we hope there's going to be better, uh, Everything that happened with uh, Jerry Krause and uh, and Thelma Krause and all of the reactions to that, we hope there will be better stories to to write on than that than something that was just unthinkable. So um, we're looking forward to that. But uh, let, let's get into it. So this this Pascal Siakam trade, it I don't want to say it came out of nowhere because we kept seeing news bits that there was a market for him and there were a lot of teams that were in on him. I think Sacramento was one of those teams that was in on him originally, but we saw um, yesterday that a trade went down with the Toronto Raptors and our division rival, uh, the Indiana Pacers. So uh, the trade goes down as the Raptors receiving Bruce Brown, um, Kyra Lewis, Jordan Noir, two 24 first round picks, from the Pacers and a conditional 2026 first round picks um, as well from the Pacers. And the Pacers will get Pascal Siakam and a future second round pick from the uh, Pelicans. So the Pelicans are involved in this deal um, as well. So the Raptors additionally waiving Christian uh, Coloco in this deal too. So uh, the Pacers are looking to re-sign Pascal Siakam to a max deal as a part of this trade. And they believe that supposedly there's pretty good traction on the chances of 
that happening. So I think a lot of people were looking at that as this deal is pretty risky if they could not re-sign him. But it seems like that will be something that uh, is potentially work, working out. So uh, what, are, what are your initial thoughts on this deal for the Pacers? I mean, it's with Indiana, they're, they've never really been a huge free Asian destination. So on the face of this trade, it makes a lot of sense when you can bring in a guy like Siakam and, you know, put him with some really strong pieces, of course, Tyrese Halliburton and, you know, try to convince him to stay that way. So it seems like a, a worthwhile risk. But what were your initial thoughts on this deal? Yeah, I would um, I would agree with you, Ed. Um, it It's a risky move for sure because he's going into free agency and he, you know, it's going to, you know, I think we all expect that he's going to look for, you know, the five-year max of some, you know, max deal, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it, it's, it's given, like, when you think of who, who Pascal Siakam is, his reputation and his skill sets, I don't know if there's a really a better team that's an ideal fit for him, you know, as far as, like, his, the rest of his career beyond the Raptors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, solid scoring reputation. Um, you know, you look at what he's done over his career. I mean, what you know about him, he's a reliable guy in transition. Um, you know, great finishing in the low post. It's a good compliment in, in what I would expect to be, you know, he slots in as like the number two guy behind Halliburton in terms of scoring, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it also, you know, he's not a strong shooter, but there's enough shooting on that Pacers roster where it really offsets that. And, you know, I would expect it to you know, really just – like add another level of octane to already like a high powered Pacers offense. I mean, um, they're probably, you know, even though he is, you know, he has a defensive reputation as well, just the way the Pacers play and, you know, the pace they're, they're pushing, um, I don't expect like a super huge leap in their defensive rating or anything to happen because of this trade, but it at least it, it's one more, I think, piece in, in the mix of what they have in a very interesting roster that they already like really get after in the off season, you know, they go out and get Bruce Brown, they go get Obi Toppin. Um, it, they're going to be at least, you know, if they don't climb over that seven seed, they definitely like, it just seems like even at a seven seed, they've kind of submitted themselves to find a way. I feel like to get into the playoffs with just that much offensive talent. Yeah, I, I completely agree with uh, Morris. I think, um, you look at what they gave up. Yeah, it's a, the picks is yeah a little bit you know uh, maybe an overpaid considering he's an expiring deal, but when you look at what picks they gave up, so the twenty twenty four picks, one of those is going to be a very late, like probably one of like the top bottom five pick, uh, first round pick, and then it's going to be their own pick. Uh, I think because it's going to be like one of the it's like supposed to be like the worst of one of like the draft picks they own. So it's like I think that it's going to end up being like Oklahoma City's first rounder, mm-hmm. uh, which is like not going to be that good. Um, and the twenty four draft, I granted again, you know, you can always in hindsight it, it always changes, but this draft is technically not supposed to be one of the stronger drafts per se that going at least going into it that's the conversation a lot of people are having so if any draft you do want to trade for picks on is probably this one um and then you know you have they also got to keep uh they're good young guys like um they got to keep Matherin, they got to keep jars uh they got to keep nemard mm-hmm. um 
to me, this is like a it's a good deal. A small market, you know, they're they're, they're trying to improve the team. They're not a free agent destination. I mean, they're going to end up giving him the five year max, which again, it's going to be a lot of money. But again, where are what else are they going to do? Sound like cap space makes a big difference for an t- organization like the Pacers, who are, like I said, small market and, and competing against these bigger, flashier destinations. So, yeah, I think this is a good move for them, um, and uh, and it's a good move for the uh, Raptors. I think it's like a win-win, if you will. You know, you get some good ca- uh, assets for a, a guy that is no longer in your long-term plan. Um, yeah, I, I I like it, and like like Morris also said, the fit is really good too. You get, you know, he, the size, the defense, uh, this tough shot making, uh, like ideal center, like a Miles Turner is like an ideal center you want playing with uh, Pascal, like a guy that can stretch the floor, and then both of those maybe like they said the defense could get better. Like both of those guys up front are like Miles Turner is a really good rim protector. Uh, Maybe Pascal can really help them as well, just depending on how you know the scheme and thing works out. But yeah, I I, I enjoyed that deal for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's a it's a very solid deal, and I think you make a good point that they didn't have to give up any of their core parts in order to make this deal happen. And when you look at this, the the picks that they gave up being in a really weak draft, it's really worthwhile. Let me ask you both: when you look at the Eastern Conference right now. I think everyone agrees that the Celtics, Bucks, and the 76ers are in a tier of their own, and you can debate the order of that. But then there's that next tier down, I think, where you start to look at Cleveland and the Knicks and Miami. And I think the Pacers have comfortably joined that mix now. So long term, let's say the next, you know, three years or so, maybe four years, the Pacers could really look like a team that's always in that mix in that four, five, or six range, maybe even higher if things click at a certain degree. So um this could be pretty this could be pretty scary overall, especially for a team like the Bulls who are in the same division in that central uh division. So what what do you think of what this does for the Pacers long term? Like, do you buy them ascending to more of a contender, or do you think they're kind of just gonna be one of those teams that are kind of like in that four, five, six mix that are pretty dangerous to face, but aren't really like a, a title contender. Yeah, I think um, I, I view this as a move that it gives the Pacers an incremental step up into you know, perhaps becoming a more formidable or more solid playoff contending team. Hmm. Title contender, I think they have to, they, they really have to like ratchet up a consistent type defense at some point. Like it can't just be all scoring with them. Um, so I, that's kind of how I view them at this point, but I agree. Like, I think they're, you know, we have the top tier of the East. Um, this trade definitely bumps them up to like second tier status. And, um, you know, that I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I would bet that they find their way into the top six once, uh, the, you know, we get beyond the play in and they could be a tough matchup. Like the thing I thought about yesterday for sure also was, um, like, if, if that Bucks Pacers rivalry playoff series happens, yeah. you have Siakam and Giannis going at it, man. That's I want seven games of that. Yeah, I think uh, con- yeah, contender is tough just because I mean right now they have one um, superstar in uh, in Halliburton. Um, obviously, Pascal is really good. Um, he's 
probably roughly a top 30 guy mm. i would say uh give or take maybe 35 top 30 uh but he's a i mean he's an all-star caliber guy uh i think what makes a difference like more said the defense needs to get better but also depending on how some of these young players can develop um obviously you know josh is gonna not get he hasn't been really playing because i mean he's just not ready to be in a rotation uh right now so his development could could be interesting uh matherin is kind of having i don't know if soft sophomore slump is the right word uh but he's not been as like the second year hasn't been as good as people thought it could be i would say i don't know if you guys agree with that but i think um, you're right with that yeah yeah um but yeah i mean like they like i said you know they, they didn't lose depth they didn't lose like the core um so you could see them like you know have to have the the ambitions of being like at least like a second round team which would be pretty good I mean, if you consider it, and the fact that there's savvy youth behind them, um, so yeah, I mean, like a second round team, and depending on how development goes, maybe they could be a contender one day. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right that Maffron really hasn't taken like a huge step, but he's still so young that they still have plenty of time to really get it together. So you look at him and Walker and um, Neesmith and. Um, you know, Miles Turner has been in the league a while, but I mean, he's still only 27. So they just have like a really good mix of yeah. young talent and proven veteran guys. And like you said, with Halliburton being a superstar point guard who can elevate players and is going to have the ball in his hand so much, like it's, it really just gives them a ton of options. So, I mean, they're, I agree. I, I don't know if they're a title contender, but I do think that they are a pretty scary team and they could get to that point depending on how those young players um, develop. So, when, when we're looking at this yeah. trade, yeah. Yes. I just want to say, it's, I mean, it's about trying to see if you can make playoff runs. It's not mm. necessarily only about, oh, can I win a championship? Right, right. It's about trying to improve the team where you're not just, okay, I'm a playing team. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is what the, this is what this move does for them. It, it gives them an opportunity to make or run in the playoffs. And yeah. maybe, maybe if the matchups, you know, hit right they could sneak into the Eastern Conference Finals yeah maybe but yeah. like I said it's just it's just uh, it's, it's it gives them like an opportunity to be more competitive yeah it's a, it's a really good deal yeah. for them man it's a really good deal like yeah I, I, I think you just have to give a ton of credit to that Pacers front office organization because I mean the way they've gone about their their entire sort of um overhaul of their roster and and just really the roster and the asset base, like they've they've been very smart about it and self aware. Yeah, I mean they they've never been a free agent destination, so they they put themselves in a position to be a uh, cash face team. Um, they get a lot of good picks out of the deals they've made. You know, shipping out some bonus, getting back Halliburton, um, and just like being, it just I guess the like the best metaphor I can think of is like. They just really um, – they've kept their head moving. And, and, like, you you just get the sense that, like, they're going about this in a very methodical approach mm-hmm. to where, like, you know, they get the cornerstone in Halliburton first. Now they're getting the big star in, in Siakam. And even if he doesn't resign with them, um, just to, like, bring that attention to that franchise, um, yeah. you know, creates maybe another avenue down the line where, like, if it doesn't work out with Siakam, at least I mean, maybe they can, like, still recoup something out of a sign and trade by just having him. Hmm. Um, so it just, 
you've seen a lot of good moves lately from that Pacers franchise to where, um, yeah, even if it's just like a playoff appearance, that goes a long way for that young roster. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, but before we before we dip into the Bulls angle of this, real quick, what do you think about how Toronto has handled their roster? I mean, you you look at these deals now with OG and Siakam and you know they've gotten picks back they've gotten young talent back when you look at quickly and Barrett they, they, they've done some really interesting moves with that um that team going forward so they, they do have some flexibility going forward but what do you make of the direction they've been taking with their with their haul from trading these um you know these veterans that they have yeah, it's interesting when I think about it because you know when I think about like some of the, I guess some of the Raptors takes I've read, it seems like it's kind of somewhat, maybe polarizing strong word, but it's at least mm-hmm. two sides of the coin. Where it's like, I would imagine some Raptors fans are, you know, happy to at least get something back for like two cornerstone guys from the championship run, mm-hmm. um, and then there are probably some people who think, well, you know, I held on to these guys too long. Um, you know, probably like the way some Bulls fans feel about the <laughs> mid three. Um, it seems like they're making the best of the situation. And, you know, I, I think, um, yeah, I, you know, they, they at least have an interesting mix. They still have a, I mean, it's a first year coach also they have up there now. Um, I, I forget his name, but like he, he's already like the, uh, the post game rant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh yeah it's they, they have to pieces together i think the question i have about them is like um now what is the architecting of all of this going to look like over like the rest of the season and really going into the off season to like you know continue to evolve that roster which to become what i would assume would become like you know built around scotty barnes mm. yeah like i agree with morris again um they 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 made the uh, best out of the situation they were held ha- ha- at. Like everyone was concerned with, or uh, not concerned, but like everyone was kind of making fun of them about, about excuse me, about going into the season with two guys who were ready to big names that are ready to hit free agency on their roster, and it's like, well, you just kind of screwed yourself, and you're not going to be able to get anything for them um, because you yourself, like Morris said, you held on to them too long. I mean. They made something out of it. I I feel like the OG deal is looking like a little better, at least early on. Like RJ Barrett is playing really well, at least for them. And maybe like the role in the lineups and situation has been better here for him than it was in New York. And maybe that we'll start seeing him kind of live up to his, you know, potential that he had. Um, I like, I would say I like quickly as well. Uh, what they got for OG is so far is not looking as bad as, you know, originally people thought. And obviously it's worked out for the Knicks as well, getting OG. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what they do moving forward as far as maybe they do, like like I said, you know, maybe there's another move that they make and trade off another asset or two. I mean, I don't know if they're, Yaka Pertle's out right now. Uh, they gave up first for him last year, which was, uh, peculiar at the time, but maybe if they can move him again and recoup an asset that they gave up for him, uh, that could be something that'd be interesting to see what they do with that. 
And they still have that, you know, they, they got Bruce Brown in this trade, and there's a lot of speculation now that they'll be able to um, yeah, flip to, him to move him as well. So um, yeah. that, that could be an interesting piece for some championship contenders, uh, especially when you look at what he did um, for Denver at one point. So, yeah, they, they definitely have some options. I, I do like the um, the OG trade for them. I, I think with Baird and Quickly, especially if they re-sign Quickly, I think Quickly could be really good for them long term. Uh so kind of like transitioning into to, to the Bulls' reaction to this and what could be on the horizon for the team. So, uh, of course, we've been talking about Zach Levine pretty much every show, and there hasn't really been anything new materializing. The market still seems kind of bare, and teams don't like the contract, and the injury at one point was a factor, and, you know, the the defense and – all of these things have contributed to Zach Levine not having much of a market. So uh, I think now when you look at all of the players who have been moved, when you look at OG, when you look at Beal at the beginning of a season, when you look at Siakam now recently moved, uh, a lot of teams like the Kings and the Sixers who've been in trade talks for some of these guys, it, it seems like there now could be a shift to Zach Levine potentially as a fallback if that's the the move they would like to make so i and i also think when you look at the siakam deal a lot of the speculation is that doesn't have any value well it's with siakam drawing three first round picks as an expiring contract i mean that could potentially be a sign that zach levine actually will have some value at some point over these next couple of weeks but uh let's get your thoughts more so do you think that the Siakam deal is a positive sign for developing and creating a market for Zach Levine to get moved, or do you think it really won't have much of an effect overall? Yeah, um, I guess this is a bit of a hot take, but the thing I think the thing I've thought about since yesterday when when the news broke about the trade is, um, as much as like the Raptors, yeah, they're able to get multiple picks out of that deal I question how much of that is I mean to some degree it is because I mean it's Pascal Siakam all-star um like you know all-star like his you know very decorated all-star right uh-huh. um however it it was a situation like the thing I can't shake is like I just talked about like perfect fit for his his skill set and the roster like there's a complementary dynamic to Pascal Siakam going to that Pacers roster mm. and the Pacers had the assets to really like grease the skids of the deal. That's the thing I think about, like, that's the thing I've been thinking about over the past day about Zach is like, Zach has a skill set for sure, but it's different than Siakam's, right? And in a lot of ways, my, my, my gut feel is that it's a skill set. Zach's skill set is something that is not as rare or scarce as Siakam's. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a 6'9", big, ball handling, a, you know, 20-game scorer. Zach, completely elite, like, efficient shoot, um, scorer. And, like, like just has, has elevated his scoring abilities to, like, elite, you know, all-star levels as well. Um, it's, it's a question of, like, Who's the roster? Who's the organization? Like, this is my question when I think about it. It's like, who is the organization that really is in desperate need of Zach Levine's skill set and has the assets 
they're going to like really make Acme pick up the phone. That seems like that's how I differentiate what happened yesterday with like what could potentially be the outlook for Zach's trade market or like what what could be a Zach trade is. I just don't know if it's a one for one comparison you can draw between like how that Pacer Raptors deal shaped and whatever uh, may come of Zach if he is traded this year. This year. Yeah, I, I just think like it's also about where you talk about reputation and and media narrative kind of plays into it too. And there's other like moving forces like you wonder with Zach. So like with with Pascal, he you know, he's he's been part of a championship team. Uh he's an all NBA player. Like he's made all NBA teams. Not only all-star games, but he's made all NBA teams. Um and and even and obviously like the situation with the Pacers, you know, they're they're trying to take a risk with uh with trading it for him and believe that they can keep him by giving him that five year max and which more likely will happen. Um with Zach right now is obviously this his rep was never that good. Like whether it was fair or not, I mean, a lot of us argue that it's unfair because it's been like out of context and a lot, some of it's not been his fault, like the type of player that he's been perceived as. And then you can, can look at what happened this year with him coming in. And quite frankly, like you, like before the foot injury happened, he was, he was dogging it. Like, cause he wanted out and he wasn't playing up to his regular capability. Um, and, and then when he went out, the Bulls started playing better. So it's like, man, that just doesn't look good. Like it just it just doesn't look good. And all those bad perceptions that were were maybe not true, all of a sudden people are like, Yeah, look at that. Like we we were all right. We're always right about Zach. So that comes in play. And then also you have to wonder with Zach, um, how much the Lakers, I know there's been talk about well, the Lakers are not interested in. I know there's recently they said they don't expect to make a move for Zach, but how much is is clutch involved in trying to, you know, minimize how much the receiving team, like that trading for Zach doesn't have to give up as much because they don't want to, you know, hurt their team or make it so that only the Lakers can trade for him for like the scraps that they have. So, yeah, the Zach situation is so different compared to Pascal Siakam that I don't know how much you can really say, yeah, this this should make Zach's market good or hmm. or not. Do you guys think that I, I think when all of this started, we the chances that I, I so I think we I think we knew that there would be a pretty big chance that the Bulls were not going to get the haul that they thought they could get for Zach. But now I think we're transitioning into a possible reality that Zach Levine is on this roster past the trade deadline. And I think that is something that we were not anticipating. So, Morris, let me ask you this. Do you think that – are you concerned that a deal just won't go down at all? Because, I mean, with two weeks – with like a few weeks left, and it's been very consistent that there really has not really been a team that's – very interested like we've seen rumors about the the Sixers we've seen rumors about the the Warriors the Kings but all of those kind of got squashed very quickly 
and you know of course the Lakers as well but like Salim said it seems like the Lakers are very firm in their stance that they're not going to give up anything significantly valuable for Zach Levine like they're going to give up D'Angelo Russell probably Rui Hachimura uh I'm guessing with all the stuff on the um you know trade talks but um like maybe Gabe Vincent I don't know but things that are not highly desirable to the Bulls right now and the Bulls would want Austin Reeves so I, I think Salim makes a great point that Clutch is trying to make sure that the Lakers have a lot left over. That way they can continue to continue to, you know, make a championship run while they still have LeBron in these last couple of years. So are are you concerned that a deal may not get done at all over these next couple of weeks? Yeah. um, So I'm definitely concerned about um, the reality that Zach is Zach Levine may still be um, on the Bulls roster after the trade deadline. And like from a fan perspective, it's just it's frustrating because it really feels like there's a missed opportunity. Like the desire truly was to like move on from Zach. Mm-hmm. It just seems like this is something that like Acme should have, you know, find, they should have been searching for for the good deal in the offseason instead of like the great deal. Like, um, and it's just it, yeah, it just it just leaves me head scratching about this whole continuity mantra. It seems like it's a, a wasted opportunity to mm-hmm. keep the franchise moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you could. I agree again. Um, you could probably see Zach on the roster still uh, because it just if you're not going to get anything really good for him, and even like the the pick that the 2029 pick they're talking about it being like super protected now if they give that up. So it's like <laughs> uh, the 2029 Laker pick alone doesn't really entice me. And then on top of it, then it's protections on it. It's like, like I, I keep talking about how the Lakers are like one franchise. You don't really, you know, are, are so good at, you know, rebuilding and, and on a, on a fly and so quickly because they just attract big names. Like a, a, a pick five years from now is meaningless. Um, especially from the Lakers, because you know they'll be able to uh, make their roster a lot better by then. It just it just happens. So yeah, completely agree. A heavily protected twenty twenty nine draft. <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh, from any any uh, a protected pick from oh my gosh from anyone is you know one thing. It's also bad when. When you know the Lakers are are that franchise, and they're bound to be able to add like Luca and like, out of nowhere, yeah. you know, something like that. Yeah. Twenty twenty nine, it'll be Luca and Bronny James uh, in the finals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something crazy. I don't know. Yeah, it's bad enough that we're not that they don't even want to give up Austin Reeves, but. A, a heavily protected 2029 draft pick just feels it feels like insulting. <laughs> like like that, that's the best that's the best <laughs> asset we can get long term. Like on top of D'Angelo Russell and Rui and you know whatever other you know spare parts you're giving us. I I don't know, but yeah, we 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 have a few weeks left until the NBA trade deadline. And uh, real quick, so if you had to put a percentage on it. Right now, just based on what we're reading, the vibes, and what chance, what percentage chance would you say 
that Zach Levine does not get traded at the deadline right now. Yeah, I feel like it's more than 50-50 at this point. It just seems like with each passing day and no smoke signal whatsoever, I feel like we're kind of like 75% chance (laughs) Zach is still here. Yeah, I'm more leaning towards like almost like an 80% chance that he's still here. (laughs) Uh, I just – I just – I mean, it would track with this front office, too, of not moving anyone or staying that. Like, it, the last so many opportunities that had to really, like like we mentioned, to really change this roster, they've just done in- incremental changes. So, yeah, I, w- I would not be shocked at all. Um, I'll be annoyed, but I won't be shocked that they don't do anything. So, you, how, so how would you feel? You, you say you wouldn't be shocked if they don't do anything. How would you feel? Like, so we're talking, they don't trade Caruso. They don't trade DeMar. They don't trade Zach. Right. <laughs> right. That's Ooh. what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I fully expect like, them to. Yeah. Zero trades happen on February 8th. I'm, I'm legit flipping a table. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, you know, I'm I'm for a rebuild and I don't want them to try to improve this team, but it's, you have to pick a lane. Like, how can you just keep sitting in the center? Like, I don't get it continuously sitting in the center and not not really doing anything to improve the team. If if your goal is to try to be a playoff team, like how are you gonna sit there and just say, okay, well we're just gonna keep keep doing the same thing over and over again, a definition of madness. You know, <laughs> and, and that's getting yeah. less and less likely because, you know, we we're just talking about the Pacers. You you already got Milwaukee Cleveland is good. Mm-hmm. You got the Pacers now who are on the come up. So the Bulls, as it is, the next couple of years, they look like a fourth seed. I mean, you're you're lucky that the Pistons are in the division. Otherwise, you'd be, you know, dead last, really, in projections. So, you know, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, you know, on paper, this is not looking good for uh, the the future of his team when you're seeing all of these other teams getting better. So that may even make a rebuild even uh, much more logical. But um, yeah, I think it, I, I think with Zach Levine, at some point you do have to kind of just throw in the towel and say, Hey, if none of these teams feel a certain way about this guy and you know, you, you have to kind of look in the mirror and say, all right, are we just going to keep him? And that's a that's a logical stance. I mean, you don't just want to like give Zach away for peanuts, but if you want to keep him, or if you are just hell bent on trading him for whatever reason, it, it may be a reason behind the scenes. It may be something coaching, uh, coaching oriented, or something with clutch. I don't know. If you're hell bent on trading him, this may be as good as it gets right here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems like. It just seems very confusing what is the hang-up about the Zach deal where, like, there just seems to be some disconnect even in, like, what what the Bulls front office is expecting or, yeah. It's clear there's an inability to make the deal happen. And um, yeah, it just feels like, yeah, they, they have to cut bait at this point just to, like, not potentially wreck – what problems we are seeing, what what positive developments we have seen this season, um, you know, notably Kobe White, 
but then also um, an opportunity for Pat to actually really come into his own as, as a defender. Right. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of disappointed that he's gone back to the bench because it seemed like he was finally finding a stride with, um, you know, the offense, like I, I gave, like I, I've let go of trying to like critique Pat or like talk about Pat in offensive terms. I think we, you know, Pat is on a trajectory where he can be a high functioning role player and an elite defender in this league. Mm-hmm. If he's given that opportunity and that space to do that. And it's like, the more you squabble about trading like guys who, you know, potentially don't want to be here or just like they've aged out of like a future or a long time future for the bulls. Like what, are, what are they trying to accomplish at this point? It's just, you know, like Salim said, you have to pick a direction at this point. Yeah, no, yeah, completely agree. And you know, it, it, at this point, I mean, it, it just really comes down to like, Zach doesn't want to be here. And I'm sure that there are some people in the front office who don't want Zach here. I don't know. It's you're, you're not really working with a whole lot. So, um, at some point, they really will have to just kind of come to grips with, come to grips with all of that, barring something crazy. But um, we'll see how Zach Levine's market continues to uh, develop, I, I guess, over the next uh, couple of weeks until the uh, trade deadline. So uh, let, let's wrap up with this: the Bulls' uh, upcoming schedule for the uh, next couple of games. Uh, we're recording right now, so they are playing Toronto on TNT in a little bit. Uh, on the road after that they have memphis uh, coming to chicago then they have a three-game road trip phoenix lakers portland and then they come back play toronto again and then they are at charlotte at the um, the end of january so th- that's the remaining uh january stretch so about uh one two three four five six seven games right there so uh we, we were talking about them potentially getting to a point where they could be at 500 um but they've kind of gone on a they've split like they lost that golden state game won to san antonio but lost to cleveland so i mean it's still possible not the toughest schedule but you never really know what this team sometimes. So, uh, Morris, what do, you, what do you think about the Bulls' chances here in this next uh, seven-game stretch? Do you think getting to 500 is within reach here, or do you still kind of just expect kind of more like spotty, kind of spotty play overall? I think it – I mean, it really starts – it it starts with the, you know, t- um, you know the Raptors tonight and then um, that Grizzlies game. Like – those are must-win games, effectively. Like, like the Raptors have some. Like, I think it's underappreciated that, like, really to me, the Raptors have become the Bulls' new rival. Like, every one of these Raptors games is always weird and <laughs> and scrappy and going down to like the last possession of the game. So, uh, Bulls have to take care of business tonight if, for any sort of hope of like talking about five hundred. And then the same thing Saturday night with um with the Grizzlies. I mean, that's a reeling team. Jaws out. Um, there just is no excuse for anything other than taking care of business early. And then after that, I mean, I sub- if they can go two of three on that West Coast road trip, um, it's not, it's not out the realm of possibilities. They could find mm-hmm. themselves back into a 500, um, um, record. It's just like, it really has to start tonight. Like, and yeah, you hope like on the West Coast road trip, um, they just don't get into like some of those bad habits where it's like, you know, the ups and downs and the weird, like the random randomness of like, you know, which bull team, which bull team wants to show up, especially against, 
you know, a Lakers team, of course, has LeBron and the Suns, even though, like, they're having their ups and downs. It's still a Suns team that has, you know, some talent there. So, um, I'm kind of I'm, – I'm, I'm the Larry David meme. I think about, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, tonight almost like I'm scared to have a feeling like a, a vintage Bulls letdown game, right? Because you're they're they're going to be shorthanded, um, but guys like RJ Barrett have been really balling. Sorry, hooting for them, and um. Yeah, and then you 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 have the Grizzlies like Morris says. You know, not only Jaws out there, uh, uh, Bain is not playing. I think Marcus Smart is out. I mean, that could be another Gigi Jackson uh, special <laughs> uh, Ed's guy. So uh, I don't know, man. Like I you I want to see them, but before I before I, even I get really on board, like I guess I always say, like I don't root for them to lose ever. Like I don't. That's not what I do. But like to get on board and kind of see them. Okay, well maybe we'll see what they can do. Like I would like to see them get to five hundred before I get really invested more into them. And I mean, like you and I, Ed, we talked about this last week and and maybe prior week. It's like, like. This is like a, the best opportunity for them to get to 500. Like, what, what's the excuse here? We're looking at these games and schedules, and you know they haven't. Excuse me, they haven't reeling in the last few um, like weeks, like a week or two. They've had some like bad losses. Like that Warriors game was a bad loss mm-hmm. when you consider they had an 18 point lead. Um, the Cavs game is a bad loss. Like, you know, they're they're also missing a bunch of guys on that roster and you keep losing to them. Right. Um so yeah, it's just yeah, that's why I look at this team and I keep banging the drum on rebuild because it's like they're on pace for like 37, 38 wins. Like what's the upside here? Like yeah. what is the upside we're, we're talking about? Like and you mentioned Morris the uh, Pats got back to the bench. Like what? What is? What are we gaining here? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're gaining if that's the path that they continue to be on. Yeah, scratching and clawing for thirty-eight wins and thirty-nine wins or forty wins isn't. It's not great at all. And you know, with this team, it, it, it they continue to kind of show like this up and down play. It's just kind of more of the same. Uh, I don't know. Like there, it, it, it's a winnable stretch, but. You know, you mentioned that Memphis game, that easy trap game. They took care of Golden State the other night. Even I would argue at Charlotte, <laughs> the game went into OT the last time they were in Charlotte. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you you never know. And Lamelo Lamelo's back too. So, I mean, you just never know with this, this team. Sometimes, I mean, um, at Portland, I mean, who knows? Portland's not great, but I don't know. Like none of these games really jump out to me is safe I and mean, i don't know it's just kind of tough to really place significant expectations on it but 500 is there if they want it, it it's the chances we i feel like we say this every season but it's there if they want it and usually they never take it <laughs> yeah. yeah so i i don't know we'll, we'll we'll see what happens in these uh in the rest of january before uh because uh february there's a 
February gets uh, pretty tough right out the gate. I mean, you got Sacramento, Minnesota, at Memphis, at Orlando, at Atlanta, at Cleveland, Boston, New Orleans. I mean, softens up a little Detroit, Cleveland. Like, February is going to be a little tough. So, if if they're going to do any type of damage, I mean, they got to get it in now. So, uh, we'll see what happens with the Bulls in this uh, next stretch, and we'll see what they do on TNT tonight at Toronto. But, uh, Morris, man, we wanted to uh, thank you for joining us today on Bulls Gold, man. Pleasure talking Bulls basketball with you for the first time on the show. Um, Yo, let our listeners know what they can expect from you. You just started on Bulls on Tap, so I know you got a lot of stuff, you know, in the pipeline, but let our listeners know where they can follow you, what you got uh, coming out. And, uh, again, thank you for uh, joining us today, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, you can find me on the X app at uh, MoBanks10, M-O-B-A-N-K-S-1-0. Um, and then, yeah, my work, you can find it at uh, Bulls on Tap, part of the On Tap Sports Network. Definitely follow uh, Bulls on Tap and On Tap Sports. Uh, we have a lot of great content. I actually, I, I just published a piece earlier this week about um, really framing, like, a strategic, like, thought process for what, you know, what the Bulls front office, what Acme really should be considering at this trade deadline. And, I mean, to tease it a bit, it's really about – it isn't so much like – I didn't want to do too much, like, trade machine-type talk about it, but really, like, this is a critical inflection point, I think, for the Bulls organization because there's been this continuity thing. And it's basically, in my opinion, just been kicking the can towards doing the necessary roster maintenance to keep this team competitive, especially, like, we talked about, like, the changes that Milwaukee has made, the changes mm-hmm. the Cavs have made, and now the Pacers on top of that. Um, the Bulls really, again, it's like it, it keeps coming back to, like, they have to pick a direction. And what I'm, you know, proposing in that article is really just, like, a thought process about, like, what should be the the long-term roster fit from what this mid-three era Bulls have been. And I think that's, that's sort of, like, where my head's at about the, the Bulls as far as, like, changes being made is, like, I think it just needs to be more explicit role definitions for mm. our starters. So, yeah, check that out. And, uh, yeah, definitely be more um, writing for Bulls on Tap coming up. All right, all right. Yep. Check out Morris, man. Again, we appreciate you coming on. Check out Bulls on Tap. Great stuff on there. And, uh, yeah, well, we definitely look forward to uh, checking out your work and uh, speaking to you again for sure. Uh, Salim. Yeah, love to be back. Yeah, thanks, guys, for having yeah, me. Yeah, man, no doubt. Uh, Salim, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? Yeah, thanks to Morris for joining us. Uh, I appreciate his support. Like, you know, he, he listens to our, 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 our pod now and then. Um, so I, I really appreciate his support. And he's a good follow. You know, he's uh, he's one. I think I, I, I compare. I, I think he's like me in a sense that he, he acknowledges that he might not know everything, but he likes to learn. Yeah. And he just likes to learn like the X's and O's side and get better at that. Uh, so that, that's like. And me and him are same in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this and, is, yeah. at the end of the day, man, it's just like, it's a hobby. Like, more than anything. To All right. Like, yeah. I've been a Bulls fan my entire life. So, like, to be on this right. journey now, like, join uh, on tap, it's like, yeah, it's a continuous learning journey for me. And, like, more than anything, I like to just be able to share that and learn from everybody else, too. Yeah. Right. No, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and then, like, yeah, we'll see what they do. Like, we're going to be talking more before the trade deadline a few times and we'll see if they start winning these games and see if this front office actually does anything we'll we'll find out but hopefully hopefully they can win tonight and it starts off 
at least a positive uh, step inch closer to 500 at least. Man. All right. All right. I mean, I mean, how are, how are we going to react when uh Gigi comes to town and drops, um, drops a 50 uh, piece? <laughs> I'm going to have to be your guy. I got to take everything back, man, that I oh. said. <laughs> I got to take it all back. You will. <laughs> he seemed, you know, it's funny not, not to, not to get into a different conversation, yeah. but like a lot of like the bad rep about him seems kind of off just because you see like the way his, uh, his demeanor and though like that that uh interview with nba inside the nba was like mm-hmm. wholesome like it was yeah. like oh that's really cool he's getting all geeked out talking to Shaq, you yeah. know and he seems like he's like appreciative of where he's at and he was working hard to be where he's at so yeah we'll, well see yeah, it, yeah it's he, he to me a, a lot of the stuff that we saw in college like it happened but yeah it definitely like you said it definitely seems like he's learned a lot from it just taking it in stride and maybe the grizzlies have also just been a really great environment from him to kind of sit and learn for a little bit before he got this chance so i mean with ja mm-hmm. and you know bane and marcus smart out i mean this is a that like i said that that, that could be awful, a trap man. game <laughs> that could be a trap game i mean they again they took care of yeah. golden state um you know at home i mean they were you know, in Memphis, but I mean, they still took care of that team. And I don't think anyone had them winning that. So, um, you know, quite a few trap games that could be left. So we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, that, that concludes today's Bulls Gold. As always, check out our past shows wherever you get your podcast on Apple, on, uh, Spotify, on Podbean. Thank you again to Morris Bankston for dropping by on Bulls Gold. For Celine Sura, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.